Hi, and welcome to Cause Pods. I'm your host, Matthew Passy. Here at Cause Pods, we have one simple mission to highlight the amazing folks who are using podcasts as a way to raise awareness for good causes. Whether it's a nonprofit they work with, a charity they support, a social justice campaign they're championing, a medical condition they're battling, or someone who's just looking to make a positive impact on their local community, state, country, or the world. These are podcasters with a positive mission. Along with raising awareness for our guests' favorite cause, we're also going to see if we can raise some money to support their efforts. So make sure you check out the show notes for each episode at causepods.org to learn more about what they're doing and how to help them achieve their goals. We are getting political here on CausePods today. Don't worry. We're not going to tell you how to think. We're just going to tell you that you should be thinking about your politics. You should be actively engaged and know what is going on in your life. And we are excited to do that with Jenna Spinelli, host and producer of Democracy Works. It is a podcast that is put on by the McCourtney Institute for Democracy at Penn State University and with WPSU, the public radio station in that area. Jenna, thank you so much for joining us here on CausePods today. Thanks for having me, Matthew. You work for the McCourtney Institute, so that sort of puts you, you know, why you're doing this kind of work. But let's let's take a step back. What was your interest in politics and, you know, advocating on behalf of a healthy democracy in the first place? Sure. So my background is in journalism. I have a journalism degree from Penn State. And, you know, like I think a lot of journalism majors, I went through a period where I got really interested in the First Amendment and free press and media law and thought about going to law school, ended up not going that direction. But I was really glad to find myself starting here in the McCourtney Institute in the fall of 2017. It is a job that is at the intersection of a lot of things I'm interested in, media and and politics and things like that. And, you know, we, like a lot of people, after the 2016 election, we saw kind of a renewed interest in the topic of democracy. I think you summed it up very well in your introduction, people wanting to be more informed about what it meant to live in a democracy, to understand what it means to live in a democracy, things that people hadn't really thought much about prior to that. So we saw lots of books being written about the state of democracy, but we didn't see a lot of these conversations happening in the podcast space. So we saw an opportunity and we jumped on it and it's worked out pretty well for us so far. So you said you didn't see a lot of opportunity. You didn't see a lot going on in the podcasting space. I would probably say that's probably changed a little bit. I think a lot of folks have jumped in, but you know, clearly given your background and given the institute that you guys are working for, why was the podcasting space such an important environment to be in? You know, podcasts are, are appealing for several reasons. One is that, you know, you can really have long form conversations and do deep dives into issues more so than you can in like an NPR story or like even a traditional news story. There are certainly there's some great long form journalism out there, but I think it's a little bit easier to digest in the podcast format. When I say that there wasn't a lot happening in, in the podcast space, I guess I should clarify and say that there were not a lot of like educational podcasts around the topic of democracy. There there's certainly plenty of what I would describe as political podcasts or partisan podcasts, and, and they're all great. You know, they all do what they do very well. But, you know, in terms of the, there wasn't anyone talking about the issues we wanted to talk about in the way that we wanted to talk about them from, again, that educational kind of nonpartisan approach. 
And we also, there is somewhere in the, the McCourtney Institute backlog videos of some of us sitting around two people talking to each other in front of a camera, which is not the best medium for the, the content. I'm not going to say it was between two ferns, but it was kind <laughs> of like in that in that realm. And so, you know, we, my co-hosts and I were all big podcast listeners and it all clicked for us pretty quickly, actually, once we thought, oh, we should start a podcast. And then, you know, thankfully, the folks at WPSU actually know what they're doing in terms of audio and, and production and things like that. So they've been great partners, too. Yeah, I want to talk about that a little bit, because I think that's an interesting angle that a lot of folks don't, you know, maybe aren't thinking about, especially with cause-based podcasting, that in almost every single market, probably within, you know, an hour, maybe two hour drive of anybody in this country, there is a public radio station and they probably have the resources, the tools, they might even have the time on their station and they would possibly be interested in your content. And so tell us a little about that partnership, how that got going and and what they've been able to provide for you and what others can learn from it. Sure. So we knew we wanted to start a podcast, but none of us had any idea how to actually make it happen. So our station is is maybe kind of unique in that there is the the NPR kind of broadcast side, but there's also a creative services side that does various audio and video work for clients at Penn State and, and other places in the area. So we initially reached out through the creative services side. I'm super fortunate in that our podcast is is part of the institute's budget. So we had the money to, to basically hire an, an engineer and a producer and an editor to, to help us through this process and to actually do the day-to-day work of the show. We never would be able to be a weekly show if I had to do the interviews and the booking and all of that, plus do the, the audio editing. So I, I know that we are super, super fortunate in that regard. But as we started to produce the show, the folks on the, the radio side kind of took notice and, and we started working more with them. And we now have an arrangement where our show has a dedicated place on WPSU's website. I record promos that air on the radio. It's fun to get like text messages and, and Facebook messages every week saying, hey, I heard heard you on the radio today or you know whatever and some of our interviews do also air on air as well so they're they're part of the the regular station lineup so i think you're you're exactly right there's often these these public radio stations out there that are looking for content and you know if somebody out there has a podcast that they're already producing especially if it is in that that nonprofit cause-based world it's at least worth reaching out to your local public radio station you know they they might be looking for content or is if there might be an opportunity to supplement what they're airing from national NPR with something that is produced locally. You know, I realize every market's going to be different. We our market is is fairly small. We sometimes joke that there's more bears than people in our uh, <laughs> listener area. You know, so if I was going to to WNYC or something like that, that would be a completely different story. But I think especially for folks who live in smaller cities, smaller towns, more kind of suburban areas, it's definitely worth a shot. What do you think the impact has been on your audience having the podcast? Well, you know, I'm sure you're looking at certain metrics and results and engagement. And so, you know, what has been the response from the audience where you are trying to educate people more about democracy, how it works and, you know, how they can get more involved regardless of what their politics are? 
Yeah, so we have heard from listeners across the the political spectrum talking about how episodes that we've done made them think about things a different way. We, we've we done some specifically on local government and people who've been able to get involved that way. We did an episode on school boards that we heard from people who serve on school boards themselves or who were thinking about running here locally. We run into people all the time that tell us, hey, love your, your podcast. Faculty here on campus are, are using it in their classes we just added a leave a voicemail feature and got a very sweet message from a gentleman in Brazil who said he's using our show to help learn about democracy and help learn oh. English as well. So that's always nice to hear. Gotten nice notes from folks all across the country that say that they they look to our show for that kind of reminder that things maybe are not quite as dire as the nightly news would make it seem or as hair on fire as Twitter might make it seem. There's a lot more to these issues than what's condensed in a tweet or a soundbite or something like that. So a lot of the times on the show, I like to talk to folks and ask them about their experience, you know, the challenges that they've come through with podcasting, obviously having partners with the local radio station, a lot of that technical stuff is is taken care of for you. So I'm wondering, you know, what are some of the other what you would call challenges or hurdles or, you know, just the, the road bumps that you go through in producing good content week? Yeah, I mean, I think like like a lot of things, it's a an issue of time. Even though I'm not doing the production work, it still can be a lot sometimes because this is not the only part of my job. It certainly feels that way sometimes. But the McCourtney Institute does many other things that I'm responsible for helping to get the word out about. So trying to fit in reading people's books, for example, we have a lot of authors on the show. And there are times when I'm reading a book a week for, for different interviews. So that can be a challenge sometimes. But I really... I've tried to remain committed to to doing that so we can produce quality content and, and have good interviews. And these folks are often busy and giving up their time to come on the show. The least I could do is is read their book, I think. I think between my co-hosts and I, you know, we sometimes have different ideas about how we should approach a topic or what, what a guest should be. So there's been some kind of learning curves there. I think that the show has evolved a little bit from when we first started. We had initially thought that it might be more of, you know, I don't want to say activists, but people like on on the ground level. And, and we still do some of that. But now we we have moved, I would say, more into looking at these issues from a more educational perspective. So what does it mean to to be a demagogue, for example, or you know, we did a series about democracy around the world. So we talked to people who study democracy in Brazil or in France or with Brexit in the UK. So that's been an interesting kind of transition. And then I think, too, you know, like like every podcaster does, we we are looking for that magic formula to figure out how to grow our audience and how to get more listeners. And, you know, it's since we are, it is part of our organization's budget, we want to make sure we're getting a good return on our investment. So just trying to you know always be on the lookout for different ways to to increase our audience and expand our reach. Yeah, no, I mean, it, like you said, even with all the technical stuff being taken care of. And even with all the support of the school and, and things like that, like, yeah, there's still, it's a lot of work to put out a good podcast. And 
you know, you have to be passionate about it, which clearly you are, you know, it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it is, you know, more than just the podcast, it's your job. And, you know, being an advocate for this is, is clearly something you're passionate about. So looking at some other folks who might be exploring podcasting, who might want to, you know, raise awareness for their cause using this medium, what would be some of your, you know, best advice and tips for them so that they can get off on the right foot, feel confident that what they're doing is going to be effective and and sustainable, to be honest. Yeah. So when we started, we put together like a two or three page document that listed our, our mission statement for the show, what our first couple of episodes would be, some of the, the plans we had for distribution and promotion. And that document was like our North Star for the first you know couple months of the show as we got it off the ground and started to really talk to people about it. So, you know, I think when when you are passionate about something, it can be tempting to just kind of jump right in and figure out the details later. I am absolutely that way. So this was a good exercise for me to kind of take a step back and make sure that, you know, we had those those bigger questions answered before we jumped into production. And, and you know, we were still able to, to do all that pretty quickly, even for and, and, and especially for higher ed standards. We launched the show in a matter of two or three months, which is like lightning speed if you're familiar with how colleges <laughs> typically operate. So just even taking that little bit of extra time to, to do some planning was was very helpful. And I think too, we we all really have benefited from getting out in the community. I mean, there's, you know, there's all kinds of online promotions you could do. I'm sure you've talked about some of them on the show before and people there's there's any number of other podcasts you can listen to for how to promote your podcast online. But we've really found success going out and talking to students or doing different events in the community. We are starting to do events at senior centers now, which has been interesting for us. You know, if you think about it, it's the generation that grew up on the radio. So the the format makes a lot of sense. They're all very interested in democracy. This is the, also the generation that had much better civics education than most people get today, unfortunately. So we've had good success. I mean, literally, after we do a talk about the show, I have a line of octogenarians standing there waiting to give me their phones to subscribe them to the show. So that is really, I think, an untapped market for podcasts in general, and, and maybe especially for cause-based podcasts, because this it's a very altruistic generation. They're concerned about society and, and what's happening in the world. So to the extent that you can get out and, and talk to folks like that, I would definitely recommend it. Yeah, I mean, it, it is obviously it's an online medium. You know, we we spend a lot of time in our studios and our homes and our offices doing this. And we talk a lot about social media and digital marketing and trying to, you know, hack, grow through all those different channels. But yeah, I mean, you will always make a fan when you meet someone in person. And the example I always give for this, and I think it's it's perfect for this conversation, was when I used to work in radio we would often interview politicians. We would talk to folks on both sides of the aisle. And regardless of which side you came down on, anytime you met somebody in person and they were kind and polite and fun and you know they, they showed you that they were engaged, they showed you that they cared, it was tough to not become a fan of that person. Even if you disagreed maybe with their politics, you still, you know, you left that interaction being like, I really like so-and-so. I would never vote for them, but I really like them. And so 
yeah, the fact that as a host that you can get out there and meet people, I think it's fantastic. It should definitely be encouraged. And I, I never thought about going out to the seniors community to, you know, bring them this content, but, you know, especially given the topic, I think it's brilliant that you guys are doing that. And, and, you know, if it's appropriate, I think a lot of our cause potters, it would be, you should get out there and do that. Maybe you're educating folks on medical, you know, stuff, cancer, whatever, like, you know, topics that are going to make sense for them. Why not? They're an engaged audience. They love the company. Yeah. And, and they have time on their hands too. You know, I mean, once you get past that, that technical barrier, there's, there's definitely a, an audience there. And, you know, it was, it was interesting. You, you brought up talking to politicians in your, your radio days. And I think that that lack of face to face interaction is, is what a lot of people point to as one of the things that's caused the kind of weakening of democracy. You know, we don't have those face to face interactions anymore. Both, you know, everyday citizens, because we communicate so much more online and on our phones, and even, you know, politicians in in Washington or in the state capitol, you know, they often spend a lot of their time at fundraisers or traveling back and forth between Washington and their home districts. So they're not, they're not having dinner together, they're not socializing together. So there's not that sense of, of camaraderie. So that's, that's actually been a big theme on our show and something that a lot of folks who are much smarter than I am are, are working on trying to, to figure out a solution to. I think you're right. I think the discord, it would be tamped down considerably if we realized that the people that we were yelling at were also human. Right, right. And, you know, I think that's, that's one of my hopes anyway about, about podcasting is that because you're not constrained by time that you can really get to know someone a little bit more than, than you might and your listeners might stay a little more engaged than they, they would if they were, you know, watching something on TV or, or, or something like that. I'm also optimistic about some of the things I've seen on YouTube in this regard. There's been a lot of interesting YouTube content like explainers and people trying to take different points of view or, or contribute to, to understanding of issues. I couldn't agree with you more, and I think you said it very well. So we also want to make sure we talk real quickly. What is Democracy Chronicles? This is the 501c3 that we'll be supporting on behalf of Jenna Spinelli and Democracy Works. But tell us a little bit about Democracy Chronicles. Yeah, so this is a site that publishes news and and commentary and analysis all about democracy in the U.S. and around the world. It was started by a gentleman named Adrian who who lives in New York and really put his blood, sweat, and tears into this site. And he's actually done something pretty cool where he partners with folks in Africa who there's there's a big democracy movement in Africa, so there's a lot of interest there in this content. So they get experience working on their English and, you know, learning technical skills and things like that while they're contributing content for this site. So I got in touch with him a couple months ago. We we post links to our Democracy Works episodes there and super happy to to be part of, of that community. And it's definitely worth checking out and worth supporting. And if you would like to support Democracy Chronicles. We will have a donation link set up specifically for them on behalf of Democracy Works. You'll find it in the show notes. You'll also find in the show notes a link to Democracy Works as well as the McCourney Institute for Democracy at Penn State. And we'll throw in a link for WPSU, the public radio station that they have partnered with as well. Jenna, thank you so much for joining us here on Cause Pods. And we hope that you are able to help more people understand how our democracy works no pun intended there, 
hopefully we can you know, lead to, to brighter days ahead. Thanks for having me, Matthew. And we'll certainly keep trying. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause Pods. Again, if you've been inspired by the work of our guests, please check out the show notes in your podcast app or at causepods.org. There you will find links to their work and a special donation link to support their favorite efforts. From there, you can also follow and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And remember, if you have a cause pod and want to join me for an interview, please check out causepods.org and fill out the interview request form. If approved, we'll schedule you for a chat and share the amazing work you're doing with the CausePod audience. Thanks again, and see you next time on CausePods. Pods.